morning. Did I get this on? All right, good morning. Why you just you guys were clapping so loud I couldn't hear myself. Thank you for that invitation. I appreciate that. Um, so welcome, welcome again. My name is David Jacob. Like Gino said, I just want to welcome any uh, newcomers, or if you feel like you are still a visitor, welcome. I'm very happy that you're here with us this morning. I just also want to welcome any anybody who's listening to us on our website or our podcast. I uh, just want to invite you out there uh, to come and join us on Sunday mornings. Uh, if, so if you've been with us over the last month or so, or just kind of come in and out over the last month or so, you may have heard us talk about a 21-day fast. A 21-day fast. And, and the fast began, we're kind of already in it, uh, it began this past Monday, the 10th. And it's going to go through the end of September, September 31st. Uh, so I just, you know, if you've, if you've already begun the fast, keep going. I just want to admonish you, keep going strong if, you, if you're on it. If you're not and you want to join and you want to just maybe see what this is all about, uh, I, I just invite you to kind of pick up right now. Why not? Uh, or if you've maybe fallen off and, you know, you started but you, did, you, you kind of strayed away a little bit, just, just get back on board. I think that God has a lot of great things for us during this 21-day fast. So last week, Gino, I thought, gave a great message that answered a lot of the questions about fasting. Talked about, you know, what fasting is. And instead of sort of retelling his message, I'm going to kind of paraphrase a few things. But fasting is basically us giving up something that we consume Basically, some like a food or, or sort of media or something like that, something that we consume um, uh, so that we can get closer to God. Does that make sense? So, you know, um, another way to put it is, is there are many things in our lives that meet an emotional need. Whether it's food, you know, we, we meet an emotional need when we eat. We meet an emotional need when we watch TV, when we uh, look at Facebook, when we do all those things. And we sort of give that up so that that emotional need can be met by Jesus. I've heard it put another way. A prayer, someone pray this prayer, Lord, help me to desire you the same way that I desire that thing. So for me, one of the things that I'm giving up, and I'm kind of giving up a couple of the things is TV. I'm giving up TV. So one of my prayers is, Lord, help me to desire you the same way that I desire TV. And to sort of maybe very uh, uh, pious people, that may sound ridiculous. Like, come on, like, why are you comparing God to TV? But if you know my story, TV has always just been a part of my uh, family history. It's something that we did together. We just sat around the TV and we watched movies. We did a lot of things like that. And that's one of the ways that I find comfort and rest is to watch TV. And so I've given up TV, and I've actually found myself, like, yearning for it. Um, I don't know if some of you feel that way as well about some of the things that you're giving up, but I, one of my prayers is, Lord, help me to desire you, to find rest in you, to sort of find comfort in you the same way that I do in TV, even more than that. I want you to sort of be number one, and that's one of my prayers, and that's kind of what fasting really is all about. So we as a community have been called by our senior leaders, Gino and Shannon, to fast as a community, which is very biblical. We see many times where leaders call the people of God to fast. Uh, not only that, but I know that some of, us, uh, some of us are fasting for personal reasons. So we are fasting as a community, sort of as a, for community reasons, but we're also fasting for personal reasons. And so we talked the last week about, you know, a lot about the big questions of fasting. What is fasting? Why do we fast? And all that. And uh, I, today I'd like to just add maybe just a little bit more insight about fasting. 
Before I do that, I want to I highlight some examples from the Bible uh, about fasting. Uh, some, some examples uh, that maybe will help us give us some perspective for various reasons to fast. Or, or maybe some examples that help us give us some better, uh, um, maybe a little more permission to fast at different times in our lives. And so I'm just going to run through these because this um, could take a while. Fasting is seen all throughout the Bible. Uh, but if you do a, a quick word search for fasting... You'll see that fasting is very often connected with mourning. We see that many times throughout the Old Testament is that people mourning and fasting when King Saul died, when, when the kings would die, when people would die, when people, when they were estranged, when they were in another land or something, they mourned and they fasted. You know, it wasn't that long ago when our countries, the, our, the U.S.'s media attention was on a very popular criminal case, the Casey Anthony case. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. It was... It was a mother who was accused of, of killing her daughter. She was on trial for that. And one of, the, one of the tools that the prosecution used to, to sort of make her put in a bad light was that while she was supposed to be mourning, she was out like partying in other places and just kind of making a show that didn't really jive with what was supposed to be going on. So there was kind of this healthy expectation that if you are mourning you would probably, you know, reduce yourself from all the other sort of snacks of life or extra things in your life so that you can maybe concentrate on the thing that you're mourning about, right? And so that's, that's, I think that's a good example of what fasting is all about. It's kind of reducing the extra things in our lives so that we can concentrate on the object of that fast. And so while it's, while it's mourning, um, um, people fasted. Another, another time that we see people fasting in the Bible is we see them seeking God in prayer. Seeking God in prayer. And this happens several times as well. But let me just offer a couple different examples. And I think there uh, may be special um, circumstances where there's something about the situation that requires a little bit more than praying. You know, praying, like we've been praying and seeking God maybe for guidance or something. But the, we, we just need a little bit extra something else to kind of um, appeal to God through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting. There's a, a woman in the Old Testament named Esther, and without getting into any of these stories, but she was, she was going to approach the king, which is a very dangerous thing. You don't just approach a king. You kind of have to be called by the king. But there's a woman named Esther. She was approaching the king because her people, the Israelites, were going to be persecuted. And she said, I have to do something. So she called the people of God to pray and to fast, a sort of a special occasion, like, listen, we need to hunker down and pray and fast. King David fasted and he prayed and he kind of stripped everything away when there was a danger that his son might die. Another king named Jehoshaphat was in imminent threat. There was, there was sort of a threat to the kingdom. And he, and he called the people, all of the people in the land, to pray and to fast with him for that. There's another prophet named Ezra who, who, who prayed and fasted for protection. There's some of the, a little extra when we pray and we fast that we want to see prayers met. So as a church, you know, we, we always, we as the South Suburban Vineyard, we always have things to pray about. But I think in these days, there's sort of an anticipation that God is going to do something a little bit special in the months coming ahead. You know, we, we've done several outreaches over the summer, and we are praying and fasting that God would bless those things that we have uh, invested in. We've seen some new faces come in the door and some, some people uh, kind of connecting, and we're praying and fasting that God would, 
would connect all of us as one body. And that, and that these relationships would grow and that our church would grow even more and more. Not just for numbers, but in depth and, and, and our hearts collectively as we approach him. We're also starting small groups. And, and small groups is a really big part of the church. This church, because we, we just feel like that is kind of where we kind of get a lot of our spiritual infilling. Like it's nice. I, I love Sunday mornings. I, I love Sunday mornings. I look forward to every single week. But there's something special about small groups that we can kind of get together in a small group and really pour into each other and seek God maybe on a more intimate level. And so we're starting those again and we are praying and fasting that God would bless those small groups and God would multiply those small groups and that God would move our small groups into a, even, even a new place that we had never even thought of or imagined. So there are many things that we are praying and fasting about so kind of as a special, special thing that we're doing. And the last example... I'll give is that fasting is very often connected in the Bible, particularly uh, in the Old Testament, but all the way throughout the Bible, is, is moments of great spiritual breakthrough. Great spiritual breakthrough. When Moses, the, the prophet who brought the people of Israel out of the bondage of, of Egypt, brought them out of slavery, when he was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments from the Lord, he was fasting. So here we find the prophet of God connected very intimately with God, maybe as close as anyone has ever gotten with God, and he was fasting. I think that's very, very significant. Right before Jesus enters his public ministry uh, throughout uh, Jerusalem and Judea and, and as, wherever he traveled, right before he starts his ministry, he goes out into the desert and fasts for 40 days. The, maybe the most impactful Ministry to have ever existed or ever even walked the earth, Jesus. Here's Jesus, the Savior of the world, and he comes to this earth and he fasts. I think that's very significant. I think it, 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 there's something about fasting that brings about spiritual breakthrough. There, we see a picture of the apostles in the book of Acts when uh, the people, uh, the religious leaders, didn't like them. They're being persecuted. Right before that, James, uh, the brother of John, was just killed. People were dying. People. Like, it was getting bad. And people were praying and fasting. And when they were doing that, they weren't necessarily praying for something specific. But they were praying and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, listen, I want you to send out Barnabas and Saul for a special mission that I have for them. And if those, those of you who may not be familiar with those two, those two and Saul was, was later named Paul, who many of us may recognize that name. Paul is the apostle that planted maybe the majority of the churches in the Roman Empire. And he, those two were set apart to preach the good news of God to the Gentiles. Does anybody know what a Gentile is? Basically not Jewish. Is anybody in here a Gentile? A lot of us are Gentiles. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for sending out Barnabas and Saul to preach the good news to the Gentiles. Because that was for us. And, why, and so this amazing spiritual breakthrough in the history of our church is connected to the people of God praying and fasting. So we as a body, we as a church, we want to pray and fast, and we want to do this right. We want to do this right. You know, uh, one, of, one of the things that the Bible also shows us is that somewhere along the way we might, not, we might get this not right. There's a danger of, of doing this fasting and really being very disconnected from the entire point of it. And so we kind of say this general statement of fasting is a way to connect with Jesus. And it kind of looks a little bit different for everybody's lives and everybody's story. 
and, and maybe even all of us as, as a whole, and we connect with Jesus, and maybe it's just kind of a mental thing, uh, you know, and really doesn't necessarily penetrate into something very practical in our lives. And, and I think that that's a very dangerous place to be, and, and, and God actually points that out in the people of, of Israel's lives and, and sort of their history. They are fasting at a certain point, and we're going to look at that passage, and God is like, hey, listen, there's a right way to do this, and there's a wrong way to do this, and right now, you're not on the right side of this. So today, I kind of want to look at, I want to look at Isaiah chapter 58, and you're welcome to turn with me. Isaiah chapter 58, and I think God puts his finger on fasting, but I think he also talks a lot about a lot more than just fasting, but he, I think he gives us three very helpful insights. Well, the first thing is that there's a wrong way to fast. That guy just flat out says, listen, there's a wrong way to fast. And I think he also t- tells us there's a right way to fast. There's actually a right way to do this. Not only is there a right way to do this, but... but if we fast in the right way, it can be very impactful. And so today, I've titled today's sermon, The Impact of a Real Fast. The Impact of a Real Fast. And I think we really need to know this because we, we can expect that God will respond to a real fast in very amazing ways. And that our fasting isn't just for nothing or it's just an exercise of sort of self-will. But that we can expect that God will be with us. So we're looking at Isaiah 58, and right before I get there, let me just give us some quick background. The people of Israel, uh, unfortunately, can't read like three or four chapters at a time, because then we can get like a really good picture of what's going on in the sort of central passage. But the, just the previous chapter, chapter 57, God like really lays into the people of Israel. They are worshiping their own gods. They're doing basically whatever they want to do. They're just going completely... Completely away from God. Can I get some water? Anybody? Thanks, you know. Um, they're going completely away from God, and God just like, man, he like hammers them. You know, I'm reading this, I'm like, God, take it easy. Man. But I think it's just so important that 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 God does that, but maybe for our correction and for our benefit. And so that's kind of where we pick up in Isaiah chapter 58. I'm gonna read the passage and then I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Isaiah chapter 58. Shout, to, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a religious nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. They, have fast, they say, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves. Why don't you even notice it? I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. 
Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. And he will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from darkness and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you, when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. Let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, I just thank you for being here. I thank you that you send your spirit, that you respond to us coming together and truly seeking your face. And Lord, I ask that that would be true for us today. That each of us today would just somehow in some way be looking at you for the answers. Lord, will you help me to get out of the way because my answers, my personal answers, really don't mean much without you. So Lord, will you just speak to each one of our hearts this morning? Each one of our hearts, exactly what we need to hear so that we can honor the fast by connecting with you. Lord, will you bless us? Will you put power on this message? Will you just come in power right now, Lord? Come in power right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take a sip here. All right, so again, these, I think this passage points out very three, three very strong statements. One is the, the wrong way to fast. And the second one is the right way to fast. And then finally, the impact of a real fast. So let me kind of break down this passage for us a little bit. We see the people of Israel again in in chapter 57, basically doing whatever they want. They're doing whatever they want. And God says, listen, let let me take a minute to kind of set us all straight for a second. Whatever you're doing, it's it's not working for me. You're sinning against me. You're you're falling away from me. You're doing whatever you want to do. That's not right. And not only that, but, but you are supposedly fasting. You're sort of doing all this extra stuff, and that's also not right. I have a, a, I have a good way to do this, and you're not doing it. I, and God tells them kind of the, the right way to go about fasting, the right way to connect with him. And then here's, here's where I love the story. Not only does God correct us, and I think he needs to correct us, and with a firm direction. Some people don't like that part. I like that part. But then he also tells us the right way to do it. That's also a really good part. It's a great part because then we're not wandering, wondering what to do to make God happy or please him or honor him. But here's the part that I love is that God responds and says, if you do it right, I will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. I will be with you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will do all these things for you. And he will impact our lives. And and we're going to kind of talk about these things as we go through. So let let me just start off with what I think is a very important part. And that's when God very clearly points out the wrong way to fast. The wrong way to fast. You know, let me just also say that God puts his finger on fasting. Because that's, it's, it's kind of an extra measure like we talked about earlier. It's an extra, something a little bit extra that we do that's maybe uh, not necessarily a part of our daily or weekly worship to him. And even this 21-day fast, we as a church community, we don't fast every day or every week. It is something special. So God puts his 
God puts his finger on that. Um, and that's why it says in verse 3, it says, you know, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you oppressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I think it implies that the people are going an extra mile. They're going above and beyond. So God puts his finger on fasting, but I think what he's also doing is he's putting his finger on everything in between that. Everything in between that. So God responding to fasting, they missed that, but I think he's getting to a bigger picture along the way. That every aspect of their worship and devotion is kind of missing the mark. And I would actually say that if you are fasting, it's meaningless. It's probably an indication that there are some other issues going on in the other areas of devotion to God. Let me say that again. Let me kind of say it a little differently. If maybe our fast is kind of falling flat, if, if we're just really not connecting, if there's something that's just dead about our fast, then we can pick up on it. It might be the case that there is something else along the way that's just not quite right, not in step with what God has called us to do. So what is it that the Israelites do that's so wrong? Let me put it this way. I think the Israelites, what it comes down to, is that they had a religion without God at the center of it. They had a religion without God at the center of it. And what may be confusing to our senses, our sort of human senses, is that on the outside, everything looked great. And let me just kind of read through the things that God points out. And, you know, if, you, if it's you or I, it might look pretty good. Let me read this kind of resume here. They acted piously. And if you're not familiar with someone acting piously, I just always think of a monk. You know, they acted very uh, monkly, if that's, if that's a word. But they were just very pious. And they went to church every single day. Like, wow, that's impressive. They seemed to want to learn about God. They acted righteously like a nation that would never de- depart from God's, God's instructions. And they would cry out to God. And they, would, they, they looked like they wanted to hear him. They humbled themselves and, and paid penance. And they even bowed low in worship. They bowed low, like really low in worship. And they made themselves uncomfortable by wearing uncomfortable clothes and doing those things. Like, you know, to me and you, are, I mean, that might look... Like, pretty fantastic. If we were in that day and age, we're like, wow, that's a, an amazing God follower. You know, nowadays, sort of post-Christ, we might say, like, wow, that, is, that person is a really great Christian. Like, look at all the things that they're doing. Here's kind of the sobering thing. That God says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, says, the Lord doesn't see the things the way that you or I see them. People judge by outward appearance. But, God, but the Lord looks at the heart. God, God was able to see right past all the religious stuff that the people of Israel were doing. And they looked right at the heart. He looked right at the heart. And that's what he says in verse 3. He says, the reason why you're fasting is not because I'm at the center of your fast. I am not the reason of your fast. You are fasting, he says, to please yourselves. So we see the people of Israel move God out of the center and place themselves in the center. And at some point, their devotion to God was just simply, simply an empty religion to please themselves. It was all about them. It was all about them. The tough part about this message is that this could happen to me or you. I grew up in the church all my life. 
My parents were pastors. Uh, my, my father was actually ordained as a pastor when I was six months old. So basically, I grew up a pastor's kid my entire life. I've read through the Bible. I have very familiar with the, with the story of the Israelites, especially through the Old Testament. I, I went to a Christian elementary school. I, I'm very familiar with these stories. And I'll tell you, for many years, and you know, my attitude kind of changed a couple years ago. I can't say exactly when, but for many years, I would just like look down on the Israelites and be like, my goodness, after so many generations of falling away and coming back, and then they would worship other idols, and then they would you know, pay penance and, and repent before the Lord, and then they would come back to God. And there was just this cycle of go, uh, like walk astray, and then come back, walk astray. And I used to just be like, come on, really? Like, when are you going to get it right? And I say my attitude changed a couple years ago because at some point, and, I, and again, I can't put my finger on it, at some point I looked at that and I'm like, dang, that's my life. That's my story. I do that. And I don't like that. So instead of looking down on the Israelites, I began to sympathize with them. And, and not necessarily feel sorry for them, but just say, like, this is real. This can happen to me, to you. And it doesn't take a major tragedy or something you know, big in our lives. We could just simply walk away. Isaiah, there's another verse in Isaiah chapter 53, 6. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have, we have left God's path to follow our own. This can be, and I'm not going to speak for you, but this can be all of our story. Of doing what we want to do. Here's the, here's, the, here's the scary thing, is that even when we do what we want to do, and if, we're, if you are acclimated to being religious, like in church, like me, it's likely that you'll just keep going through the same motions, like the Israelites were doing. You may not even realize just how bad the situation is. Let me offer a couple reasons why having an empty religion, a religion without God at the center, is just so dangerous. Just so dangerous. The first thing is, it will deplete you of everything that you have. Having an empty religion without God at the center will just deplete you of everything that you have. And let me also say, just right now, just to kind of get the story straight, I don't think that anything that God listed in terms of praying, worshiping, humbling ourselves, seeking after him, that any of those is a bad thing. I don't, I don't at all want to paint religion in a bad light, as long as the religion has God at the center of it. Can we get that story straight? I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page with that. But if God isn't at the center, we would just be wasting our time. The money that we give, be wasted. The efforts that we give, will be wasted. All of our time, our talents, our treasure will just be wasted. And if, and if it's not physically wasted, it is just depleting from the inside out. And maybe there's some, you know, attraction that, that we kind of have a little bit in our tank to be able to give for a while. But eventually, if God is not at the center of those things, we're just going to become bitter. We're just going to become angry that we have to show up for church again. Like, really? We just went last week. Like, I was just at small group like three days ago. Why do I have to go again? And so religion without God at the center is a terrible thing. It depletes us. It takes away our joy, our life. Let me offer just a metaphor for this. Maybe help us understand. Suppose God gives you a broom and says, hey, listen, I want you to sweep 
this really big area. And you just see that as kind of like a task, like, all right, God, fine. If we just go through the motions of sweeping up that big area, and, and this is a metaphor for anything else that God has told us to do. All the other commandments that God has told us to do. God tells us to do many things. But this is a metaphor for that. If God is, if we are not sweeping the floor to honor God, it is going to just be boring. It is going to be, just drain us. And by the time we get done, if we ever get done, and we don't just quit halfway along the way, we're just going to be bitter that we were the only ones sweeping, and no one else is sweeping, and complaining, this and that. It's just like having an empty religion. We read the, the instructions of God. He tells us to do many things throughout scriptures. And if we just see it as just like this task that we have to do, and that God is not the reason why we're doing it, it is just going to drain us. So let me hang on fasting for a second. Let me hang on fasting for a second. If this fast does not have God at the center of it, you might as well just be going on a diet. You might as well just be giving up whatever you're giving up just for the heck of it. And by the end of it, you may have a twisted face and you may just be bothered. And, you know, the, after 21 days, you're just waiting. Just, you know, just, you know, 14 more days, just 14 more days. If God is not at the center of it, this is just going to deplete you. And it's going to be boring. And it's going to make you bitter. And it's going to disconnect you from what God actually wants from you. And that is to connect with him. Let me offer us a tip to help us kind of process this. The tip is at every turn in our commitment to God, whether it's fasting, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, whether it's coming to church, whether it's all these things that demonstrate our devotion to him, Ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because if you don't, if you don't have a good reason for it, again, it's just going to be empty. It's going to be meaningless. And I think that, hopefully, the, the why will be God. The reason why we fast is for God. The reason why we come to church is for God. The reason why we sing is for God. And I think if we're able to answer that with God at the center, it kind of helps us do those things maybe a little bit more joyfully. You know, we're excited about Sunday mornings. I am excited about Sunday mornings. Not everybody's excited about Sunday mornings because they don't necessarily meet God on Sunday mornings. They don't have any expectation to meet God on Sunday mornings. Not everybody gets excited about worship because worship has nothing to do with God. Worship has everything to do with just standing up when everyone else stands up. You know, maybe singing if, if you're, you know, bold enough to sing. But I think if, if, if we just focus on the idea that this is really all about God, it makes those things a little bit easier. In fact, I say it makes it a lot easier. If we can stand, you know, I'm kind of picking on worship right now, but if, if we're able to stand up there and worship and say, you know what? This is really about God. It doesn't matter that I don't sing well. It doesn't matter that other people might hear me. This is to honor God. It might help you to actually sing and worship. So that's our tip. Ask yourself, why? Why do I go to small group? Why? 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 Otherwise, this, this life, this religious life that we live, is just going to be a burden. And it's going to be boring. And it's going to take things from us. So God doesn't want that empty religion. He doesn't want this pious demonstration of fasting. You know, give up, giving up something. Just to fast. Just because everyone else is doing it. But he wants it to be meaningful. 
So we ask ourselves why, and hopefully we can answer that with God at the center. So the next thing this passage shows us is the right way to fast. The right way to fast. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the right way to fast. From verse 1 to verse 5, we see, you know, God, God shows the people of Israel and us, if, if we're kind of willing to, to acknowledge that we can fall into those same traps, that we can easily get this wrong. We can very easily get this wrong. But he's very gracious and he tells us how we can get it right. And let's, let me just start reading in verse chapter 6. Or verse 6. No. It says, God says, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need him. And, not, and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Some of us might be scratching our heads like, wait a minute. I just thought this fasting was about giving up Facebook for 21 days. Like, what does giving shelter to homeless have anything to do with Facebook? And the answer to that is yes, it is very different. And that's likely because the, the idea of just fasting Facebook, if that's all that is, then that's all that is. But I think what God is, is trying to say here is to get this right, to get fasting right, to really demonstrate to him uh, our devotion to him, it is to realign our hearts with his. It's to realign our hearts with his. We talk about fat, the, at the end of the day, and we'll just say this very confidently, at the end of the day, fasting is really all about connecting with God. And I think that the way that we connect with God is to realign our hearts with his. And eventually, hopefully, um, one of the ways that we are realigning our hearts with his, and the product of that, is that we begin to care about the things that God cares about. And we begin to reject and despise the thing that God rejects and despises. So this idea of fasting isn't just giving something up, but it's, it's kind of a realignment. It's getting rid of all that other stuff so that we can focus on the object of our fast, which is God, so that we can realign our hearts with his. And it's not just sort of this, you know, move your body like a satellite, like, okay, there, got it, God, realigned. But rather, I think God is also saying, listen, it's not just this mental thing or even an emotional thing. There are some actions that need to be, you know, accompany this realignment of your heart. And that's really the way to, to, to see if we are realigning our hearts with this. And so we begin to care about what God cares about. And so what does he care about? He cares about freeing those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the load of those who we have influence over. Let go of the oppression that we have over people. And let, me, let me tell us that, that, that this isn't you know, just us being a boss and having underlings. You know, just don't be a hard boss or a hard manager at work. We can oppress people very easily with judgment. We can judge people. We can hold unforgiveness over people. We can belittle people. We can have this air of, uh, of dominance over people that, that we can bring into the church, bring into our home life, bring into our workplace. And God says, let that go. When you really want to fast, let that go. Remove the chains that hold people down. Stop holding people down. In fact, not only that, but fight for all the people who, have, who are being held down. Intercede on their behalf. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those in need. And help your family members who need help. 
These are the things that God has cared about since the beginning of time. These are the things that God cares about. And this has been, this has been shown all throughout Scripture. And, and, and to prove it, we see in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus, the right hand of God, the, the sort of incarnation of God, the person of God who came on this earth to free us from all this stuff. It says in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 18, Jesus was in Nazareth, and he's talking to people, and he's in the temple, and he just picks up a scroll, the scroll from the book of Isaiah. This is actually a direct reference. And he reads, at, prophetically just acknowledge, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. The people of Israel, when Jesus came, they were looking for a great army commander. They were looking for a political hero. They were looking looking for someone who would take away the physical bondage that they were in. And Jesus says, I came to honor the very same message that God has been telling you all this time. All this time. The reason why I came is to... um, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that the captives would be released, give sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is what Jesus is all about. This is what Jesus is all about. So if we're saying that we're going to connect, you know, fasting is about connecting with Jesus. I'm hoping that that has to do with connecting with the heart of Jesus. Connecting with the reason why Jesus even came. He came to bring good news to the poor. He came for those reasons. And thank God for it. I thank God for it. Some of us wouldn't be sitting here in this room, including me. I think of, I was examining just this scripture and just really like, just really thinking about my my own life. And I was just thinking, God, if you did not come to set the oppressed free, I would still be in bondage. I know my own story, and I've told it a number of times, but there have just been several occasions where in my, my life where I have just been stuck, like really stuck. And thank you, Jesus, that he came to set the oppressed free. If I'm ever going to get some tattoos in my body, which the jury's still out on that, <laughs> one of the tattoos that, it's, that I'm going to have is Jesus did not come to this earth, did not die on the cross, did not raise from the dead, did not perform miracles, did not do everything that he came to do so that you can go to church. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come so that we can go to church. Jesus came to set the captives free, to do the things, to honor the Father, honor the heart of the Father. And if all of our fasting, and I'm, you know, we're in the middle of a fast, I'm kind of picking on fasting today. But if our fasting is just about going through the motions, just showing up to church, just sort of mumbling while we sing, we have, it, it's likely the case that we just have no, very little connection to the heart of Jesus. Very little connection to the heart of Jesus. It's the gospel message, folks. The gospel message that Jesus came to set us free from that empty religion and have a real, life-giving relationship with us. That's what the gospel is all about. 
That's why we're here, to praise and honor God because of that truth. Because of that truth. Let me offer another tip. And, you know, these tips all sort of revolve around kind of critical thinking and self-evaluation. But consistently, here's, here's my tip. Consistently ask yourself, where is my heart? Where's my heart? Is my heart focused on my desires? Is it just really about what I want to do, kind of what I want to get out of the fast? You know, my fasting just to kind of see things that I want to get done, done? Or is my heart really focused on God's desires? You know, we, if we really ask ourselves honestly, we might be surprised by the answer. And if you were like me, as I, as I prayed before the Lord this week, just thinking like, God, I... I don't know that my desires in this fast really have anything to do with you. Lord, help me. Help me. Because I'm just very disconnected. Help me to realign. Help me to realign my heart. Where's our heart? Where's your heart? And this this can be helpful in many areas of our devotion to God. You know, where is our heart when we, you know, come before the Lord, when we eat the Lord's Supper, when we worship Him, when we sort of go to restoration, when we... And at Restoration Ministries, some of you may not be familiar with that. It's, it's a food pantry that many of us participate in. Where is our heart when we are sort of doing these acts of devotion? And hopefully our hearts will be a lot realigned with God. Finally, this passage shows us the real, the impact of a real fast. The impact of a real fast. And thank you, God. Because again, this is... This is This is really what this passage is all about. God just doesn't lay into us and say, you're doing it wrong, you know, pick it up. Pull up your bootstraps and get it right. And then just kind of walk away in in like an angry stomp or something. But he says, listen, I have so much more for you if you do it the right way. And so he tells us the impact of a real fast, a real devotion to him when we can really align our hearts with him. And I think God shows us how our real fast can impact us in two different ways. And the first way that it, it would impact us is very personally. Very personally. I say personally, uh, kind of about us. So us personally and then also us as a community. This is what God says. Our salvation will come like the dawn if we get this right. And that phrase, come like the dawn, does anybody ever wonder if the dawn is coming? Anybody ever wonder if the sun is going to rise? You don't even think about it, right? There's just such a strong assurance that the dawn is going to come. And that's what God says. I will save you just the same as the dawn comes up every single time. When you expect it, I will be your savior. Our wounds will quickly heal. How many of us need wounds to quickly heal? As a community, we need wounds to heal. As people, individuals, we need wounds to heal. Our godliness will lead us forward. Basically, there will be something in us that will help us navigate the roads of life that will, that will be prosperous and, and, and uh, beneficial to us. The glory of the Lord will protect us. We will call on him and he says, yes, I am here. And he, this is very important. And he will quickly reply. The Lord will guide us continually, giving us water when we are dry and restoring us. In our strength. This is the God that we serve. Hopefully that we serve. This is the God that the fast is really all about. This is the reason. 
so that we can connect with God. And it seems selfish, but it's really God honoring us and, and saying, listen, this is what I really want for your life. Let's do this right so that I can give this to you. I want to be your savior. I want to be your protector. And I will do that. I will, I will guide you. I will be there with you. I will protect you. I will comfort you. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. Some of us are fasting. Some of us are kind of going through the motions of different aspects of our devotions. And we don't feel this at all. Just very disconnected from this God. It's like, God, you say all these things. Where are you? I think if you're like me, if you're like the people of Israel, it might be the case. There's something a little bit off all along the way. If we realign our hearts with God. We realign our hearts with God. God is faithful and just and perfect, to, true to his word, that he will honor these promises. And the second way that it would impact our lives is that we can have an impact on other people. So if, if we're not just going through the motions, if we're not just having a sort of empty religion, we can impact other people. God says, our light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. Basically, God will pour himself into us and we will have an impact on the people around us. That's one of the benefits of fasting in, a, in the right way or, or uh, coming to him, being devoted to God in the right way. It says you will be well watered, a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing f- spring. Basically, you will have much more than you need. People will be able to like nibble off you, if that's kind of weird. but People will be able to benefit from the fruit of your life. You will just have so much more than you could think of, that you can imagine. God will bless you so much that you will just be like a well-watered garden. People will be able to just benefit from your life. And this is kind of interesting. It says some of you, he says some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Now this is a very direct prophecy about the people of Israel. They were in captivity. And this is a prophecy about them going back and restoring their homeland. But I think this also applies to us today. I think if we can connect with God in a very real way and, and have him guide us, have him protect us, where he is our God, where he is the center of everything, we can be rebuilders of walls and rebuilders of homes. And what does that mean for us today? We can rebuild relationships. We can rebuild our home life. Some of us just are really struggling in our home life. Our marriages, our relationship with our kids. We can rebuild our homes, our community even, the brokenness around us, our neighbors, the tension that we have with people at work, the diff- many different sort of homes, quote unquote, the places where we give ourselves and spend our time. The places where we are. God says, I through, I, through you, you can rebuild those. There is hope for restoration. There is hope that things can change. You know, the mission of the South Suburban Vineyard is to advance the kingdom of God throughout the South Suburbs of Chicago. And I'm, I'm, I'm banking on this. That we can be instruments of God to be rebuilders of walls, 
to be restorers of homes, that we as a community can actually have an impact on the community around us. And we hold on to that, and we fast, and we say, Lord, we want spiritual breakthrough. We want these things to change in us personally, but also as a community, because we want to impact the community around us. Otherwise, we're just a cool place to hang out. And we don't want to be that. We want to be church beyond the walls. Well, we can have a footprint that just a shadow that casts over many of the south, south suburbs of Chicago. Not a bad shadow, but a, a shadow of influence, a shadow that we can restore, that we can be instruments of change for the kingdom of God. That's what fasting helps us do. It helps us to realign this, to get us back on, tra- on that track. So let me give us our final tip for today. Final tip is, how can I impact others? Ask ourselves, how can I impact others? You know, what, what am I doing at home? What am I doing at work? What am I doing, you know, in different areas of my life? What am I doing in my community? What is the South Suburban Vineyard doing to impact others? What am I, David Jacob Maldonado, doing to impact others? And we ask ourselves that. You know, how can we be the light that shines around us? How can we have just so much fruit that people are, are able to sort of enjoy God through us? How are we impacting others? And all those tips are, are self-reflection. And I think I, it's just really important that I say that. And it's important to kind of check our hearts and, and, and say, you know, what am I... Let, let me ask those questions to myself. Because I will never truly be able to assess my wife's heart. Or my kid's heart. Or my friend's heart. Those are personal questions that we have to ask ourselves. How can I impact others? So what's the big picture here? What's the big picture here? We're on a 21-day fast. And we're doing it for a reason. We want prayers to be answered. We want spiritual breakthrough. We want God to show up. And we certainly want to reconnect with God. And we want to realign our hearts as a community, as individuals, to the heart of God. And hopefully carry the same mission that Jesus carried. We want to do those things. But if God is not at the center of it, it's just simply empty. It's just simply motions. It's just simply an exercise. Just kind of fitting in. You know, I'm doing it because everyone else is doing it. And I'm here to just strongly encourage you that the benefits, the impact of a real fast could have on your life far outweigh the benefits of just fitting in and not looking weird at church. You know, we don't want to be cast out at church. You know, I'm, I'm fasting Skittles for 21 days. And just, you know, just choose something. Uh, I'm fasting purple chairs for 21 days. I, I don't know. But we just... Fasting and our devotion to God, our worship, authentic connection with God, has so many more benefits than just fitting in. And God says, I will be your protector. I will be your savior. I will be your deliverer. I will set you free from from your oppression. I will, will release you from the bondages that you have. Wherever you're stuck in life, in your relationships, in your home life, I can release you from that if I am at the center of your world. That is the message for us this morning. So the, the bank can come up. So let me ask us, and, I, and I, let's just start right now. You know, where are we? 
Where are we? Don't assess other people's fasts. Don't assess other people's devotion to God. Look in your own heart. Say, is this fast even worth it? Like, what am I doing? You know, where are you when you're all along the way? Is your piety, is your religiousness, is your, is your showing up to church and small group and all these other things, what's the point of it? Why do I do it? Why do I do it? Where's my heart? Is my heart really aligned with God? Have I, am I really making an effort to, to care about the things that God cares about? And then ho- hopefully that answer, hopefully, is that, you know, none of us are perfect. We've all gone astray, as the prophet said. But hopefully we are constantly trying to realign. And the benefit and the, the glory of God says that he will impact our lives more than we could ever think or imagine. If we get it right. If we get it right. So let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that there is hope. That life doesn't have to be this way. And that you direct us. And that you help us to truly honor you. And that we don't have to just try to go through the motions to figure out something. That we just, you know, uh, um, just try to figure it out on our own. But Lord, that you, you teach us and you guide us and you help us all along the way. And Lord, I just, I just ask that you would remind us that you are with us all along the way, that you're not, you know, sort of upstairs in heaven, kind of crossing your arms and saying, all right, let's see if they get it right today. But Lord, that you're with us. You're with us, Lord. Help, Lord, help us. I, my prayer this morning is, Lord, that you would help us to just feel your presence, to reconnect with you. And Lord, that, that you would help us to realign our hearts with yours. That you would help us to get to that point where our religious uh, uh, devotion to you, which is in itself is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. That all those things can mean something because you are at the center. Lord, help us to put you at the center of our lives. Lord, I ask that you would just bless today's uh, worship, that you would um, receive it, Lord, that you would help us to, to worship both in spirit and in truth, that we can truly honor you God, I ask that you would just bless us today. Bless us. Speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.